Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Fierce Education targets higher education leaders, administrators, and faculty, and those driving technology adoption decisions in this new blended learning world. Go to www.fierceeducation.com for all the latest news, tips, and successful case studies of what higher education institutions are doing to better student engagement, ensure equal access, and improve the assessment process. That's www.fierceeducation.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up here on the Edup Experience Podcast, where we make education your business. In fact, we've made it your business over 500 times. Can you believe it? I can't because I actually have to buy a new microphone soon because this one has seen its better days. Let me say that. Somebody that sees a great day every day is my co-host here on this episode. In fact, I had to go back because it's been a bit since she's been on with me. I had to go back. I had to dust off her introduction. Here it is. I should actually record it so I don't have to do it live. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host today, you know her, you love her, Dr. Michelle Cantu Wilson. <laughs> Lorena Del Airhorn, right? Joe. So I appreciate your enthusiasm. I appreciate the air horn as usual. I love being La Reina del Air Horn, but for this episode, I'm going to love even more being the actual show host. Today, you're in the interview seat, my friend. Oh my gosh. This is an official EdUp takeover. Michelle uh, texted me. I, uh, along with me here, by the, by the way, before I tell the story, I have, um, I have a special guest. I guess she's my co-guest oh wait a minute am i a guest yeah i am a guest on my own podcast so she's also <laughs> the secondary guest figure that one out here she is ladies and gentlemen come on come on come on, come on. put your hands up in the air kate colbert my co-author for commencement the beginning of a new era in higher education kate how are you i'm fantastic joe and so excited to see you michelle I'm excited to see you too. This is a rare treat. Joe does not often turn the mic over completely to anyone. He's a, he's a smart man. You're doing that to, the, to your detriment, sir. I have to tell you how hard this is right now. For me. I know it is. I know it is. So, friends. What I'm do is just hand it over to you, Michelle, and I will be in your hands, willing putty in your hands here. <laughs> I'm sure you're terrified. Welcome, EdUp Familia. We are so excited to have you here today. You know as well as I do from his amazing social media posts, from the work that they do to keep us informed on the podcast, that Joe and Kate are writing and releasing a book very soon called Commencement. The, the beginning, beginning of higher of a education. Hey, 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 easy there. <laughs> all right, all right. Settle down. Commencement. The beginning of a new era in higher education. I know I couldn't even give you the silent pause. I had to jump in. <laughs> Folks, this is really so much fun. I'm getting to interview our authors today um, on their, their baby, the, their work of art. Um, and so Kate and Joe, sit back, relax, get ready to tell us all about this work that you've engaged in and to pull the curtain back a little bit into what this process has been like. Um, I'm going to kick it off right away, if you don't mind. Do it. Hit us. Right. You could do whatever see, you want. Let's see who answers first. What inspired y'all to write this book? Where did this idea come it's all, from? It's all Joe's fault. I'll let him take that. It's all his yeah, fault. I'll take it and I'll be quick. Uh, like everything we do, and I mean everything, we have no plan. So just like with this book, we really had no plan. Elvin and I were sitting around, I don't know what episode we were at, like 250, 275, somewhere 300. We we're like, what do we do with all of these podcasts? We have all this amazing content. It's evergreen. I think it might've been you, Michelle, you were talking to me that you had listened to like over a hundred episodes. I don't remember who I was talking to. And I was like, how could somebody do, you know, what, what if you get to three or 400, who's going to go that far back? So we thought we, we, we really need to do something with this information. So we kicked it around for a while and then we were like, maybe we should 
write a book. Who the heck out there knows anything about higher education that also might simultaneously be a writer? And actually through a friend of Kate's, Eric Williamson, who had happened uh, to be a guest at my podcast, and he wrote a book called How to Work with Jerks. And uh, <laughs> we had him on because it was the most fast, one of the most fascinating books I'd, I'd read. Uh, he introduced us to Kate. And then, you know, this whole idea that we were throwing around became a, became a reality. Kate was the purple unicorn for us. She has worked in higher ed. She's on a board of a higher ed institution. And she just happens to be a writer and has written her own books. And we were like, okay, wait a second. So I think the inspiration comes really though for the book comes from the content from the university presidents, right? Like we, we, we thought, how do you, how do you interview this many presidents over a hundred presidents and not do something with it? Right. It, it was too much. It was like, there has to be some other way. And Kate, Kate, uh, through, uh, uh, intervention here of, of friends became the way for us to help us realize this, this inspiration in, in a book. So if you're on episode two or 300 and, or if you're on three and you don't want to go listen to a hundred, hoping we can pull some of it together for you. Excellent. Thank you, Joe. Kate, what was that like for you when, when Joe reached out and said, Hey, do you want to work really, really closely with me, even though I'm not always right in the head and I drive people crazy? <laughs> the second best well, thing in life after you. she got married. So, so in, in my defense, I knew nothing about Joe, so I didn't know what this was going to be like. I had, so, um, no, it was actually really exciting. So, um, you know, the whole purple unicorn thing is really sort of funny. I, I also happen to own a publishing company. So I'm a, a professional writer and communications um, and marketing consultant um, that does a lot of work in higher education and um, a lot of research, um, uh, you know, student surveys and alumni surveys and um, all that kind of stuff. And um, and so when Joe was first introduced to us, it was really this sense of like, Joe has this great idea for a book and he wants to talk to a publisher. And so we had this conversation and, and the more we talked about it, the more it was so obvious that the themes and this sort of so what of when you put 100 or 200 presidential interviews for colleges and universities together that that really sort of coalesces into something that's sort of greater than the sum of its parts and and I said yes this is a great idea for a book and um and and, and he said if I can um, be just 100% honest here he says except the problem is I don't have time to write it mm -hmm. Um, and so we had talked about, okay, well, you know, I wasn't planning on writing a new book this year. And the more we talked about it, the more it made sense for us to go ahead and co-author this book together. Um, and um, it, it's been just a remarkable experience, which we're happy to talk about sort of the details of that and what the book's yeah, all about. And For sure. That's amazing. I love that. This uh, by the way, I did think, how hard could it be to write a book? Wrong. It is. Yeah. I just hard. spit, I just spit out my tea. Yeah. How hard is it to write a book? <laughs> Listen, when, that's the first word when I wrote book. when I wrote my last book, um, I, I had a big launch event and there are all these people on media and whatnot. And and somebody had the nerve to walk up to me when I was signing books and to ask, so so when are you planning on publishing your next book? And I, I seriously almost throat punched the guy. I was like, I haven't slept in like a yikes, year. Yikes. <laughs> I was like, what, how, I'm like, how about we just enjoy the ride of the success of this book? So no, it's been four years since the last book. Um, and the timing is just really perfect. And the most important timing that really matters is our readers timing Excellent. and professionals who work inside higher education or who consult for or work in some sort of higher education adjacency um, are in such a moment of change um, that they really need some fresh ideas and some insights. Um, and the time is now to get them this book. I would agree. So how how do you bridge the gap between the two of you when it comes to taking on a big project like this? You know, I'm imagining you guys did not get to take a year off of work and go sit, you know, at a lakeside cabin and, and, you know, write all day long and enjoy great meals and drink great wine and have great conversations. Cheers. Actually, full-time employees, you are running a business, you are all running a podcast and doing a million other things. What is your process and how quickly did you get into a process between the two of you of exchanging your chapters, your ideas, your thoughts? Go ahead, Kate. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. So, so I would say this is book for me as a professional writer. This has been a project like no other. Um, so people keep saying like, "Well, but you, you know, is it like think like a marketer?" It's my last book, and I'm like, "No, no, no. It's it's not it your fault. It's no. It's complex." For, so 
it's one thing to sit down if you're an expert in an area and just start typing, right? And put mm -hmm. all your best ideas into a book. But this book is not about me and Joe, nor is it about our contributor, Elvin. This book is about the insights of 100 plus university and college presidents. And so yes. the research and I mean, this was I, I told someone earlier today, I said it would have been easier to write like three PhD dissertations than to do this. <laughs> um, but it's been really rewarding. So so the process really was research first, um, incredible research where, to be fair, Joe did the heavy lift. So Joe did the heavy lift with, with Elvin at his side, you know, booking um, and interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and on the president side, they're close to, you know, almost 200 at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, and we started working on this one. They had just sort of marked the 100 president's mark. And, um, and so it really re revolved around getting me to listen to those 100 plus interviews, which was a lot of work and to wow. take notes, um, wow. to take a look at all of, so, and, and when, you know, when you're looking at the actual transcripts and trying to figure out what are the themes and how do we want to quote this, of course. um, it takes four or five hours to get through a one hour interview, um, to be able to parse it out, um, and turn Amazing. it into a book chapter or whatnot. So we did that. So we, I lived in the research for the longest time and then we started selecting the quotes. Um, I have a binder sitting here um, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of handwritten notes and um, printed notes and whatnot. And so we went through the research, we added another layer of research. So we went ahead and did a survey that we sent out to the higher education marketplace, people who work in or for or around or recently worked in higher education. Um, and so we had, uh, well, about 140 some odd people participate in that research. That was anonymous research, um, mm -hmm. which gave us really, really raw, important Epic. information. Yeah. I mean, people told us things we did not think they would tell us and, and I, and things that guaranteed they would not have told us if we knew their name and their affiliation. So oh, yeah. some in the comments, like that's the juicy stuff when you're not, when you're yeah, anonymous sure. and you go, Whoa, like somebody would never admit this out loud or on a podcast or probably never to their staff. And yeah. then for us to read it and it's like, okay, wait a second some of the things that we're talking about really do exist and in much more um, significant ways maybe than any of us realize. And so you start to think about those things and then the process to your point, Michelle, the back and forth, you know, I also had to go back and listen to some too, because, you know, I have this memory of people I've interviewed, but can't always remember what they say, but I know they said something sure. really good. It's like, oh, you know what? Gosh, Michelle, she said something so good. I just can't remember it. So now I'm going always. back through 40 minutes to try to find it. Uh, and then you get to have this weird, I tell people that have asked me, it's this weird, like narcissistic slash self-defeating um, process for me. Cause it's like, I'm listening. My wife's like, are you listening to yourself again? And I'm like, I'm really not doing it. I'm, I really am not doing it on purpose just cause I like to sound my own voice. Uh, but then like you listen to yourself and you're like, oh God, I'm such an idiot. Why the hell did I say that? Why didn't I ask that? And you start questioning yourself. Um, it, it, but in the end, if we just focus on the brilliance of the people that we've interviewed, the book, I hate to say it's writing itself because that's not true, but mm -hmm. the themes are really identifiable and it's us filling okay. in a lot of the gaps. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about that as, as you're helping me to visualize what the process was like for you, you realize that you are engaging in something that you have collateral for already, you know? So with Kate, you said earlier, you know, you have this binder, you have this stuff. Well, that that's the collateral that exists, you know, that so many of us, have been able to enjoy um, kind of passing the time as we're driving back and forth, as we're sitting at our desks and we have the edit experience playing in the background and we're listening to it, we're nodding and we're smiling. This is an opportunity for you all to take all of those nuggets of wisdom that we have all heard, you know, and put them together for us. It's almost like a gift to the reader, truly. And I say that because I, I greatly admire what, what Joe does. And I'm excited that with all of your experience that you two are collaborating on this. So what is the unexpected joy of mm -hmm. writing this book? Each of you can answer that question. What was something that just filled you with glee and excitement and you did not expect that feeling to happen because you know how hard it is to write a book? Yeah, wow. that's about how I write. Um, so Kate, Kate <laughs> you want you go first. <laughs> oh God, I mean, I write for a living, so I find it, um, so, you know, people uh, always think that you must love it, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, Michelle, you had asked us sort of, you know, before we started recording, you know, whether does writing energize you or exhaust you? And the answer is yes. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so I always tell people that um, a writer is someone for whom writing is more difficult than it is for everyone else. Um, and it's true because Excellent. we, 
it is my craft, right? It is my job. And mm-hmm. so doing it really, really, really well, it's not just about outstanding content, which this book is really about, mm-hmm. but it's about, it's about presenting it in a way that's going to inspire you and to keep your attention and have people grabbing post-it notes and highlighters and pens and just scribbling all over the book and making notes and and saying we need to have a meeting with our leadership at our institution to talk about this topic and so you know you said something interesting Michelle about how so many people have been listening in their cars or whatnot Um, and if if most of those leaders are like the rest of us, um, they hear something brilliant and they're like, oh, that's so cool. And maybe they remember later to bring it up in a meeting. And in their head, in the moment, they're thinking, we need to do this, a project based on this. It's like, it triggers a big idea. And guess what? They walk into work that day and they get really busy and they get sucked into something else and they forget to do it and they forget about it. And so what this book is, and I think the responsibility I have felt um, in, you know, the initial drafting of the chapters and the organization of the structure of the book is is it's not just to inspire its readers, but we're trying to also hold them accountable to say, now you know, like now you know, and some of this is quantitative, by the way, because we've done research, you know, we've done survey research, we can actually say, you know, 87% of colleges and university professionals are saying this or believe this or predicting this. And so we're, we literally ask you in the book, you know, how might you apply this at your institution? How might you think about this in your career? And so it's not just about being aware of the moment that we're in in higher education um, and sort of seeing it and observing it, but mm-hmm. it's about how can they start participating and making really, really smart data-driven decisions um, and inspired decisions and start um, being less reactive, a little bit more proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're taking it very seriously. And in terms of where it's been sort of fun, um, you know, it's, it's always fun. I think the fun part is the moment where we kind of at the end of the book and the epilogue, um, we finally tell you what we think. Um, so the book is very much about chapter five in your dissertation. Yeah, right. right. So no, it's yeah. So it's very much about, you know, what these leaders think and what they're recommending and what what they're inspiring us to do. And, and you get color commentary from from us throughout. Um, but we present, you know, this book is both love letter to higher education and a devil's advocate oh that's um, a great line right yeah and so, I so too when i wrote it oh wait and i think maybe <laughs> Joe, you wrote that one too all right you wrote it yeah yeah all right i wrote that he's we're going to be taking credit for each other's really? work for the rest of our lives um but you know it really is and so this this book is you know people ask us is this a criticism of higher ed is this a like no it's it's everything it's, it's the everything. truth it's, it's i would truth. agree I would you know, agree we're, we're bullish. I mean, you know, Joe, Joe could not be um, more in love with higher education than he is. And, and so am I. And, um, but there are some things that need to be examined. There are some things that need to be done better. And so we talk about that in a way that we hope is really inspiring, um, not accusatory. We're just saying, listen, you know, with all respect to all of the leaders um, in the hundreds of years of higher education that preceded us, here's where we are now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's you, know, you know, higher education is a time-honored tradition, but traditions change. And so it's time. You know, it's time for us to think about where we go from here um, and to celebrate the institutions that are already at the bleeding edge of that. Um, and, and so to do that. So it's been it's been fun in a lot of ways. And I have to say, Joe, I don't know if I've said this to you. So nobody listens to Joe's uh, voice more than I do because I've, I listen to all the episodes over and over and over and over. Um, so my nice. husband, prob- yeah, my husband probably knows Joe's voice better than um, than anything around here, too. And I think Joe has a great voice and it's very soothing. And honestly, it has these last several months have been, it's been like a coming home sort of, I come to the, I sit down at the computer and I, 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 you know, turn, turn on Descript and I start playing and, and, you know, and, and it's the, you know, welcome back everybody, you know, and there, there he is my friend, Joe, um, uh, walking us through some home every night in my home every night. Exactly. (laughs) I I, I appreciate that reflection. And I wanted to come back to something that you said, you said something about all the issues, you know, it is all of the above, and it is the love affair. And it's also playing devil's advocate. When I was going through your table of contents, Joe and Kate, I was thinking, you know, these are the things, these are the phrases, the chapter titles are the phrases that we say, you know, where did all the students go? Chapter three, you know, keeping the lights on chapter eight, you know, financial realities, shattering stereotypes. We know we are in that place in higher education. Um, 
not just a pretty piece of paper. You know what that means. All of you know in higher ed, you know a degree is not just a pretty piece of paper. So you can imagine what that chapter is going to be like. These are these are the common issues that impact all of us and that we all feel like we get to weigh in on. And what I think is fascinating about looking at these chapter titles is I know that the best of the best have been on the podcast. And so I know that if I want to get timely, um, honest, um, reflective information from leaders across the country, that I'm going to find it all in one book. That's exciting to me because I'm a reader. Um, it's exciting to me because I care about, you know, the future of higher education, but it's, it's something that I haven't seen in other books. So talk to me about how you titled the chapters and you decided that this was how you were going to do part one and part two, because I know that there's a lot of intention behind them. Yeah. Before Kate answers that, cause she's kind of the mastermind of structure. Um, let me say, I'm going to bring in my moment of fun and, and I'm going to relay it and, and answer your question at the same time. For me, um, I, th these interviews have taken me on a journey of, I can see all the problems with higher education. I can be like all these prognosticators and all these people that tell you higher ed's going to fail. And you know what? Some institutions might, if they don't make changes. And then I went on a journey. I, I, I mean, it's a really self-reflective because you start to interview these people, um, uh, leading these institutions and you start to go, well, wait a minute, the innovation, the ingenuity, the caring, the support, the lack of resources, you know, okay. Yeah. Is higher ed too expensive? I'll name you 10 people off the top of my head right now that are making it more affordable. Mm. Uh, you want to talk about that, uh, that elite institutions are getting all, all of the, uh, the hype. I'll tell you 10 institutions right now that are dismantling that. Uh, I'll tell you 10 institutions right now that are, that are serving Hispanic populations in greater numbers and focusing on it. I get to see the rainbow that's, that's taking place. I went from a, a personally went from a place of wow, doom and gloom for higher ed to maybe it's not so bad. And by the way, it is pretty damn valuable. Anybody that says it's not, isn't thinking about that for their own family. They're being selfish in my opinion. And if you're listening, you don't want to listen to the podcast anymore. You don't have to. Um, but you know what? Yeah. Non-credential, uh, non-credit is important and as is uh, different degree levels, but to say education doesn't have value or the value is in question. I mean, qualify that for me for who? answer that for adults no that's not true I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you 10 schools that are proving that wrong anyway i think people are going to go on a journey and i think kate with as we went through what, what do we call chapters and i'm speaking for you a little bit here kate but we're taking you on that journey right. um but you get to you get to take away what that journey means to you you might coming in you might come in thinking that higher ed is only upside and come out of this book going, you know what, maybe I had to take a second look here, but, mm -hmm. or it might be the other way around, but I think it's going to take you on a journey of thought and, and that's what's important. And it's going to be led by a masterclass, the ultimate masterclass Very of good. knowledge. Fierce Education is the place where higher education leaders, administrators, and faculty, and those driving technology adoption decisions in education can access proven methods and best practices as they rethink pedagogy, and business models in the new blended learning world. Through its website, www.fierceeducation.com, virtual events and newsletters, Fierce Education focuses on rethinking higher education in a blended learning world. Fierce Education's key tenants are to use technology for teaching better and reaching learners everywhere, addressing business model changes required to move forward, and workforce preparation for adult learners who are out to reskill. That's www.fierceeducation.com. You know, while you were talking about that, and before Kate goes on to like the structure, you made me realize that one of the reasons that I so enjoy the podcast is it's personal. You have brought back this oral storytelling tradition. You've brought it into higher ed, where it probably only existed in liberal arts, arts courses. Let's say you're doing Mexican-American studies or whatnot. That's something that, you know, people of color know. We know about the oral storytelling tradition. It's a very much a part of my culture. But that's what I've enjoyed the most is the stories that you've collected. And so you are, you know, human collateral, Joe, because, you know, without 
without you bringing this uh, together. And if we lose you, God, you know, hope, hopefully we have all the stories collected, you know. Um, but Kate, as you've taken all of this in and listened and listened and listened, how did you tackle taking that information and those interviews and those people and creating a structure? Because how many episodes, Joe? Uh, I mean, for this book, over 100 presidents, but I've done now over 500. So, and we got like 20. narrow that down? How did you decide? Yeah, it was a lot. So, um, so I listened to them all. <laughs> so, um, I've spent a lot of time um, in hotel rooms um, and in my local, like across the street from my house, I book a hotel, I call it Writer's Exile. Um, and I take all my stuff and I spread it all out. Um, it's so amazing. you're in your hometown and you book a hotel. Oh, I, every week. Awesome. Um, every week. Um, and, and so by the way, please buy a copy of the book all because we need to pay all these hotel bills, but, <laughs> um, but I will tell you, it's really easy, um, to sort of get distracted or something needs to be done at home or some other work needs to be done in the office. Um, but when you are paying for mm -hmm. a room, um, you're not going to sit there and watch TV. You're not going to take a nap. You're not going to sit down in the uncomfortable chair at the desk um, with the bad lamp, you know, and, and, and you're going in the horrible air conditioning um, and you're going to work. Um, and so, so what I did with, you know, with all of it is that, so when I, um, listened to all the interviews, gems, as they were coming out to me, I was pulling them out of the transcripts and sort of cleaning them up and tossing them into a Word doc. But I also took about 150 handwritten pages of notes as well, um, put everything, um, the three hole um, uh, punched paper is sort of my friend at this point, put everything kind of into a binder and grabbed six different colors of highlighters and headed back to the hotel and started going through and looking for keywords and started to sort of figure out what are the top themes. You did um, hand coding. You did coding by hand. Oh yeah. This was, yeah, this was just dissertation hand coding. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big outliner as a professional writer. I've always been all about sort of structure because it's not just about organization structure should be logical. It should be inspired. It should be mm -hmm. meaningful and it should be creative. Like the, the way you put a book together should serve the reader. Um, and we think that, that this, this book does that, but for us, we, we discovered really quickly that there were sort of two big buckets of types of content, right? So, so part one of the book, um, is it, we call evolutions and revolutions in higher education. Love and it's about, that. Yeah, it's about trends to, by the way, that was almost the title of the book. Um, and it's about trends to watch and waves to ride as we move forward in the industry as, or mm -hmm. as we move this industry forward. Um, and so that's the part of the book where we talk about, um, you know, education is not an island. We talk about, you know, being responsive to industry and the workforce and uh, being more student supportive, more community connected. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the section of the book where we talk about not just a pretty piece of paper, where we really talk about what higher education is doing to prove its value in new mm -hmm. ways and to really meet its mission. It's where we talk about where did all the students go? We, we talk mm -hmm. about how to redefine programs um, and to understand new student preferences for a changing demographic. And again, we're not, we're not giving you the stuff that you can get in the Chronicle of Higher Education or any of those publications that show you all the numbers about what's happening with enrollments and whatever. Um, we know that our readers know all that stuff. So right. this book is about so what? So this book is about, okay, so we know the situation that we're in and what are we gonna do about it? And here are our, 15 examples just in this chapter of institutions doing really inspired things about it. And here's the kind of results they're seeing. Um, and here's their call to action. And so, and then we talk about the people imperative about really about sort of, you know, student as customer and mm -hmm. just new student services. The second half of the book. Um, so the first part of the book really is about trends, you know, what's happening out there and what should okay. you be paying attention to if you work in around or for higher education. The second part of the book is um, entitled Untangling the Tassel. Um, and this part is really about how to make sense of America's academic predicament. So what it's gonna take to reimagine and rebuild higher education for a promising future. And so this is where we then take um, sort of those trends and we talk about now what? So we talk about the pandemic and in what ways was the pandemic a panacea? Mm -hmm. So in what ways did it did it sort of kickstart us forward? Um, and what are some of the things that institutions have begun to do? By that... the way, untangling the tassel, get it? Commencement, untangling the tassel? Joe, that is my favorite chapter title. I was going to come to that. That is one of the things that y'all have done really well is you've created visual 
visual imagery in some of these chapter titles, which helps, you know, that untangling the tassel, I just kept coming back to that. Uh, just yesterday, I, I found um, an artisan who can make us really, really beautiful resin, uh, gold resin bookmarks with gold tassels that match oh. the book. So, so I'm thinking those may be some VIP gifts for, for uh, book signings. But, but, you know, the second half of the book is really about, you know, then the, how, how does how do we think about the value of higher education um, in the 2020s and beyond? And, mm -hmm. um, and then we get deep into leadership, right? So we want leaders yeah. talking to our readers about leadership. And so we asked really, really specific questions of everyone who was interviewed and, and, and Joe and all of his co-hosts and um, over the over these past couple of years have asked really pointed questions about what does the future of higher education look like exactly. and got really candid and inspiring comments from the president. Um, and we also are we are putting out there, and I'm really proud of this. So this book is not just all narrative. There are some tools in here. Um, and this was an idea that Joe had really early in the project that has really every coalesced into then. something every now and then. He's got a great idea. And he had an idea of, Kate, what if we did some research about and presented a, a new skill set for higher education leaders? Like, what does it look like? Um, if you're going to hire somebody um, in your leadership um, team at, at a higher education institution, what skills do they have to have? What skills, experiences, attitudes, attributes, characteristics, traits, what do they need to have? And so we asked about that in all these interviews. So we coalesced a lot of that information. And then in our anonymous survey to the marketplace, we actually had people weigh in on that um, in very, very specific quantifiable ways. And the answers we got, I can guarantee, are not the answers we would have gotten had we done this survey five so years ago. So you could pick up a copy of the book today and find out what, what you thought. It may not be correct. How about that? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I've seen it recently, you know, looking at the younger generation of leaders that are coming up through higher ed here in the Gulf Coast region. I've noticed, you know, that the, the, the millennial group that's coming behind us, Gen Xers, they are very different in terms of how they want to lead and how they want a brand of leadership that is authentic to them. So, you know, as you're talking about this skill set, I'm, I'm really curious to find out what higher ed leaders who have possibly been in the position for a really long time have to say about, you know, we talk, I mean, Joe, I know part of the, some of the mm -hmm. interviews I've been with, been on with you, there were people who were retiring, getting ready to leave higher ed in the next couple of years. And so these takeaways that they have for the next generation, I can see why faculty should read this. I can see why, you know, mid-management folks should read this. Probably student services folks need to read it. Education partners outside of higher ed probably need to Absolutely. take a look at what all this means. So the value of the book definitely established. And I, I, I've got it here on Amazon and I'm going to pre-order my copy as all of you should be doing commencement Um by Joe and Kate here, and also by Elvin, my favorite um, collaborator there. Now, tell me what your writing space looks like. Tell me what your superstitions on writing have become. <laughs> tell me about what it looks like and sounds like when you're writing. Hmm. Um, Kate's probably more specific. Mine looks uh, like... Um two kids uh, screaming and running around the house. And I go, what was I just thinking about? And then I go back and the sentence that I started is only halfway done. Um, and then the second half of the sentence makes no sense for the first half. And then I got to go back and revise it, that kind of thing. Um, I get, you know, I, I, for me, Michelle, I think so much of it is uh, 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 you got to be in a zone. Like I, I do find that, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a higher ed writer. I wrote a dissertation that that bit is similar where you have to be in your zone. Right. If you can get in a zone, uh, you can you can make it happen. Uh, so I do like to have a, a space in my calendar, right? Like I, whether it's on Saturday or whether it's on Sunday, creating a space where I know that I can be gone for a little while because it takes me 15 minutes to get in the zone and 15 minutes to come out of it. So, um, you know, having enough space, that's that's important. By the way, and I want to say this bit uh, before we move on. This book is more than just presidents, right? It's more than the presidents that we interviewed. And I want to say this, Michelle, because you made me think of it. I know for sure that you interviewed one of these presidents with me. I know for sure you did. And I know others that have been my co-hosts through this. It's not just about me. It's not just about Kate. 
It's about you all and the EdUp experience being like a crowdsourced podcast where you can come be a guest and be a co-host. Truly. And you provided insights. You, you Michelle, and all the co-hosts provided insights to get the presidents to say what they did in a natural, organic way. Um, so for me, the superstitions, when I think about it, it is be for me, it's like the more formal I get, I got to call myself on it, out on it because it, it's this book is meant to be informal. So I start writing like I'm writing for my dissertation chair. And I remember that uh, I'm not, you know, getting somebody to approve this. And uh, well, I may be the public, but, you know, somebody's <laughs> not going to approve it, you know, in that way. And it's like, I got to remember that this needs to be written like we're talking about it not like we're doing you know intentional yeah, quantitative it's a conversation research. it's a conversation and we're inviting the readers into that conversation and it's a conversation that has never really happened ever in the history of higher education um you know i i don't believe that there has ever been a conference um where 100 or more college and university presidents all came together and talked really candidly um, about value um, and about what's happening at their institutions and what keeps them up at night um, and, um, you know, and where they struggle and where they're excited and, um, and, and never before has such a group uh, been available for everyone else to listen to and so so i think that is really um unique and yeah and joe is uh, joe's you know he works like anywhere and everywhere as a writer myself um i'm all about like the craft and the sort of the process and what have you like i cannot wear shoes when i like cannot wear shoes when i'm writing i don't know why <laughs> i've never i've never been able to wear shoes um and when i'm writing i like to be barefoot or socks or something um and um I need to have my space and like if like if my husband walks into my office and I'm like in that zone that Joe talks about and I'm in the middle of a sentence like he knows do not speak to me if I look like I'm concentrated do not speak to me um and if he interrupts what? me I will just turn around yeah and I'm like dude get out of my office like now Access like denied so okay. exactly yeah. if I think you and I are very similar in in our writing if if my husband comes in and looks over my shoulder or tries to I, you have access violated denied. me. You have violated my trust. Access denied. I'm angry at you for the rest of the day. So I wanted yeah. to get to that nitty gritty part, but I appreciate what you said, Joe, because the writing, the way that you two are capturing it, you are deconstructing the formality that has made higher ed a barrier in so many different areas to so many different people, including those of us who work in it now. Would you agree? Yes. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, every day, some, sometimes it's like, uh, for me, if I hear the word committee, I sweat instantly. It's like, a, <laughs> uh, it's like a, it's like a trauma. Cause I know it's going to be associated with slow in most respects. And then it feels like I can't get my job done. And why can't we make faster decisions? And why do we have to talk to so many people? And yes. I'm all about transparency and shared governance, but there's slow and there's fast and you know i think um also with the way that the the presidents and i can't say enough about them and their willingness to open up i mean there'd be no book with without these interviews right mm -hmm. was the way in which they answered the questions i'd like to think that one of the values of the edip experience podcast is that we can disarm you enough so that you're willing to have an honest conversation with us i'm not going to give you a structured format, mm -hmm. you know, I might give you a surprise guest and that surprise guest also works in higher education and they are doing the down and dirty work that you're doing too, Mr. and Mrs. President, like talk to us and mm -hmm. they did. And that I think by the nature of the responses deconstructed a lot of that, you know, pomp and circumstance for lack of a better way to say it. Um, yeah. that and you, you did have a formula, at least, Joe, in those last two questions that you posed to every, every guest and certainly to every college president, you did have those last two questions. Tell us what those questions are to remind our listeners. Of course, it was, uh, tell us, you know, anything that we missed about, you know, your university, anything that you want to say, speaking engagements you have going on the website you want to drop. What did we miss? And, you know, basically say anything you want about your university. Um, that question is important because it, it opens you up to say whatever you want and you know it makes you feel comfortable and open to say whatever comes to mind and then secondarily that always what is the future of higher education i actually say it just like that what yep. do you think the future of higher education is going to look like and sometimes he offers them a million
million dollars if they give a good answer. But then he does. So rescind, no then rescinds that prize. He does. So far, no money has been given out because we well, listen. If this, this becomes a New York Times bestseller, um, we may be able to offer those kind of prizes. Um, yes, that. So honestly, I have to be really honest about this. So one. When I first connected with Joe and Elvin and we started talking about this project and I started thinking, how in the world do I get my arms around all of this research? How in the world do I start swimming in it when I haven't been listening to all of these interviews from the beginning? So I was already behind, right? Yeah. And I thought, how in the world do I do this and how do I create some amount of um, sort of standardization in the way that we think about sure. the, these conversations? Um, honestly, and I've never said this to Joe before, had had he not asked, what do you think the future of higher education looks like at the end of every single um, episode? I'm not sure that I would have agreed to co-author this book because the work would have been so much harder. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so because those are really sort of, listen, there are gems in every single interview. And when you connect them all together, it's just amazing. But those final few minutes um, of every episode are right. just golden in almost every single case. And so, um, you know what, those Michelle, I'd like to quoted. take credit for that, but that is Elvin Freitas. That, uh, and that's great. Tell mm -hmm. Elvin that right now across the country, podcasters are writing this idea down to make sure right. that they can one day do the same thing that Joe and Kate and Elvin are doing, which is well, the, the future is so, so, and, and interestingly, that was the most important part of my last book. When I wrote think like a marketer for business mm -hmm. people, um, every single chapter um, has whatever the topic is, it's then I sort of weigh in on what I think the future of that topic or theme looks like. And mm -hmm. I've actually been interviewed by like celebrity futurists to talk about corporate, you know, structures and whatnot. And they just want to talk about my predictions. Right. And so that whole forward thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I think I really love about, about this whole project and this book and what it brings to the readers is that, um, it acknowledges where we've been um, and sort of the, the time honored traditions and it acknowledges where we are, but then it focuses very heavily on where are we going, right? That whole, you know, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's uncle told him, you know, said, skate to where the puck is going, right? And so, and, and that's what we try to do is to have conversations in this book about where do we think the industry is headed and where do we know it's already headed? Um, and, and where has it already gone where we might be a little bit behind um, and need to get at that. And, you know, and it's just full of gems. And I love what Joe just said a minute ago about that this, this, this book is a reminder of how important um, post-secondary education of all types are um, for people in every country around the world. There's a really great um, uh, sort of quote that just really sort of touched my heart. Um, Marvin Krizlov, who's the president of Pace University, and, and we, we quote him as such in the book, um, said, collectively, we need to affirm our belief in the power of education to change people's lives. Mm -hmm. That's, that's it. Actually, yeah, that's right. That's profound. And, and that's foundational. And what I'm hoping to is like, so I think some of the most important people who will read this book are people, you know, who are, you know, early in their career in their first five, 10, 12 years um, working in higher education, and they work in the admissions office or the financial aid office, or, um, you know, they work in, you know, their uh, administrative assistant to a department chair or whatnot. Um, and maybe they don't have daily access to their president. And maybe they have no idea the kinds of conversations that are happening um, at president's cabinet meetings or at board meetings. And they don't understand maybe exactly where the work that they do every day, that tireless, exhausting work that doesn't end Monday through Friday, nine to five, maybe they don't understand where it fits into the bigger picture of the mm -hmm. industry um, and where they fit and what their career looks like if they choose to stay in higher education. Mm -hmm. um, and so for all those people who are sort of, you know, accidental, um, you know, admission people or accidental higher ed marketers <laughs> or whatever the case might be, um, gives them an opportunity to really think about the industry where they have landed or have found themselves and figure out how might they bloom where they're planted? Um, mm -hmm. How might they fall in love with the industry in the way that some of the people who work around them are already in love with it? And how might they really understand how to have conversations about the big topics um, uh, sort of of the day in the industry? So it's a, we just couldn't be more excited about this if you can't tell. I can tell, but there's a good reason, you know, and, and you think about when you were talking about Kate, who who's going to read this and who should read this and and maybe it is that younger generation or that newer leader or that newer member of higher ed. But remember that in centers of excellence for teaching and learning across the country, we do book studies. And so I challenge you all to have a companion, a study guide 
to go along with that mm. because I know that as soon as it comes out, I'm going to institute it as a book study at our college because it is the most modern take, the most up-to-date and timely information on the state of higher education. That's yeah, also like multiple perspectives, right? Like that's, yeah. there, there's people that have written books on higher ed, one or two people. We're writing it with a hundred co-authors um, yeah. and, and the co-hosts that ask the questions. I mean, it really is something else. By the way, I, I do want to say um, that Michelle, uh, you were supposed to do this with us the other day, but you did cancel on us. <laughs> But that you are back, just for the record. You all know Joe cannot help it. He has to attack, attack. <laughs> I am, I am better. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to do it, Joe, because this is something that I think is really important, really meaningful. One of the things that um, you and I have always agreed on is that it is just too slow around here. Mm. And we've got to change the culture. We've got to change the bureaucratic systems. And, and I think your book indeed is what you said, you know, a love affair, but also um, that devil's advocate pushing back and challenging the norms and challenging the expectations. If we don't have folks who are willing to put themselves out there and do the work to change the system, the system's never going to change. I mean, someone has to lead these efforts. And so that's what I appreciate about you guys. As we're kind of coming to a close here, because I know Joe's formula and I know we're already over time mm. with her, the standard podcast, um, I want to ask, what, if for each of you to answer, what have we um, not touched on that you want to share, each of you? And then what is the future of higher ed? Go ahead, Kate. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I do want to say that um, what we learned, I think, as co-authors and co-researchers and collaborators in this is uh, a lesson for everyone is just, first of all, we're better together. So one of the top themes that came out in the interviews for this book was around partnership. And institutions that are doing really, really well are looking at partnerships with, with K-12 institutions, with Beautiful. corporations, with other colleges and universities, the, the community college presidents who have unbelievable relationships with the local state you know, university president. All of these collaborations were just really huge. And for us, we just, we became um, better together. Joe and I are a really great combo because I used to work inside higher ed and now I consult to it, right? So I'm the outsider and he's currently an insider. And so we brought some different perspectives to the conversations. Um, and, and that, that shows, I think, um, in, in all that we're doing. Um, and, uh, gosh, the future of higher ed, you know, I, um, we get into it, um, in depth in, in the book's epilogue, but, you know, I, I think that it, it looks like a lot of things. First of all, um, it still exists it still thrives. Um, it looks different. Um, it looks meaningfully different. Joe's children, Elvin's children, kids who are eight or 10 or four right now, um, they're going to go through a college experience or some sort of post-secondary um, education experience when their time comes. And they're going to look back at it and they're going to say, this is not my mom or dad's college experience. It's so much better. Wow. And we really believe that and 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 what what it's going to take to look like that it's going to it's going to take remembering what we're all here for and we're here for the learner. Mm -hmm. So what does the learner need what are their needs what are their expectations what are their desires what career path are they on you know in what way are they looking to broaden themselves upskill reskill all of the things that they're coming to higher education knocking on our door and saying here's what I need from you. Right. Um, in the past, I think we sometimes have kept them a little bit at arm's length. Um, we have um, sometimes made it too difficult. There have been too many hoops to jump through um, for our stakeholders, as well as for the people working inside of higher education. And I think that the future of higher education has less friction than we have experienced in the past. Um, and the pandemic has helped push us forward and realize that we can do things quickly, easily, data-driven and frictionless. Um, and I, I think that what awaits us is going to be very exciting. Will there be some pain? Yes. Is there, you know, is disruption? Ah! Yeah. Is, I mean, is disruption disruptive, right? You know, when other organizations that we don't think of as higher education institutions start competing um, in the learning space, is that going to be painful for some of us? Yes. Um, of and, and, but, but this is an industry ripe for change um, and the change benefits the stakeholders. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Excellent, thank you. You know, look, there's no EdUp experience without Elvin Freites. Um, you know, he's, uh, we'll tell you the story in the book we've told before, but he was kind of the brainchild. I was 
um, ready for ready for something, and, and we filled each other's cup up. Uh, Elvin Freitas, as I like to refer to him. Um, there is no edit experience without Elvin. Uh, he brings so many ideas to the table as a contributor to this book. He'll show you. We'll have insights from Elvin too. Uh, but I, he is um, uh, Elvin is a brilliant, brilliant man. Let me just tell you guys that uh, he he does a lot of the idea ideation of of things he probably came up with the book in the first place he's probably like dude we should write a book and he probably <laughs> thought about it um he probably thought about it the day he said why don't we ask everybody what the future higher ed is and he was probably thinking in his mind we will write a book one day and then you know fast forward 100 episodes and then we're going he's going see i told you so you dude I, dude he goes doctor when i call him he goes doctor joe so anyway um i just want to say that uh, that 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 uh, you'll get insights from me, from Elvin, from Kate in this book, a hundred university presidents, and all the co-hosts that have come along the way. Remember, this book is for you. It's not for us. It's it's for people to go. Oh, you know what? That's pretty cool. And then I will tell you this: that no matter what opinions you come in with, you, you're going to be your opinions will be changed in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see that some ideas that you get from one section might be dismantled in another because presidents are looking at it from different ways is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. I got to say that. And what's the future of higher ed? You know, I don't know. I'd head to uh, our website or Amazon by the book and perhaps I'll write down finally my prediction for the future of higher ed. I've never given it before. You, you might haven't. be able to pick it pieces together. Um, my brain's full. Maybe I'll finally put it into the book and that's where you have to find out or listen to more podcasts, one or the other. Well, that is that is a typical Joe answer. I will say this: <laughs> getting to listen to you and watch you actually as you're answering these questions and getting to see how passionate you are about the work that you have put together, it makes it even more meaningful that we have in higher ed something that other industries don't have. We have a unifying opportunity here through your book to get into the same issues, to have the same conversations, to admire the same leaders, to examine the same issues. So what EdUp has certainly done is brought the circle closer, right? What this book will do is probably launch a lot of leaders, you know, really be a guide and a pathway for those of us who are looking to, to change the way we do things around here. So thank you both for your phenomenal efforts. Kate, I hope we can meet in person one day. Joe, same for you. And oh, I would love it. Hey, come to a book signing. There, I'm sure there are going to be many. I also want to give a, a quick shout out to um, Francisco Marmalejo, um, who penned the foreword for the book. Um, he's the higher education president at the Qatar Foundation and brings a really interesting international um, lens um, to this conversation. This book is not just for higher education leaders. Um, in the United States, this is really a sort of a global perspective. And by the way, even parents um, of students or current students, we actually even have um, one of the gems in the book is we actually have a shopping list, a tip list for how to choose a college or university um, using modern sort of filters um, for how to figure out what's a good institution that's, that that aligns with what you're and looking for. Maybe how how I'll, you know, a little bit of insider, I'll, how I'll let my kids choose higher ed or how yeah. I'll take them through the process and how Michelle might take them through the process knowing what you know about higher ed it's really that inside look that not a lot of people can provide one other way that uh, i can provide something that nobody else can is here on the end experience bring together these amazing people i was going to let you outro michelle but i can't help myself <laughs> ladies and gentlemen my host today the amazing <laughs> dr michelle cantu wilson ah oh, joe you cracked me up all right, you want to say, ladies and gentlemen, you just adopt Michelle, or would you like me to do it? I'm going to let you do it. Kate, thank you very much for coming on. Good to see you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just adopt. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book, it's going to be amazing.